Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Time for another Straight Out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, takeover latest as Abramovich is hit with more sanctions, progress in the Champions League against Lille, Chelsea suffer cup humiliation without kicking a ball, a big win for the women in the WSL, and there's the triumphant return of the quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Welcome in then, listener, our second show of the week. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by The Athletic's Liam Tooby. Bonjour. <laughs> ça va? Oui, ça va. Uh, that, that, that's uh, it. That's it. Uh, that was that grade B GCSE French we were talking about <laughs> just before we came on air in full effect. Uh, it's been a while since we've had Sam Parkin back on the pod. Sam, you might be aware there's been a bit of a to-do regarding Chelsea over the last few weeks. Oui. Uh, <laughs> salut, Matthew. Salut, Liam. Trébian. Trey Bian. Uh, we'll break down Wednesday's Champions League tie soon and then stop talking in French. But first, let's catch up with the latest on sanctions, takeovers and the future of Chelsea FC. Right then, Lynn, we're recording on Thursday. Friday is the deadline for potential owners to get their bids in. Reports on Wednesday suggesting the Ricketts family, who are the owners of the Chicago Cubs baseball teams, are serious candidates. But there's a potential issue with the patriarch of the family, Joe, and what have generously been termed racially insensitive emails he sent in 2019. Uh, Nick Candy denying suggestions he wants to join with other consortiums. Lord Co., a part of former Liverpool chairman Martin Broughton's bid. There's all sorts going on, basically. Do we have any idea? who the front runners are at this point is it likely to be nobody who I've just mentioned yeah buckle up for the most immediately dated answer in <laughs> podcast history um yeah we don't know is the is the short answer I mean it, you know there are several bidders that are public this process as a whole is very unusual not only you know the clubs of the size and scope of Chelsea you know become available very rarely but in these particular circumstances where, you know, the time frame and like the deadline for bids and all this sort of thing is so public uh, that I think it's encouraging a few bidders and possibly a few chances to be more public than would otherwise be the case. And, you know, I, I think a few of the a few of the people we've heard from directly or indirectly this week are absolutely in the running. I mean, we've known about the Beauty and Vice consortium for a while the Ricketts family have been were mentioned for at least a week before they issued their statement on Wednesday confirming their interest Woody Johnson the New York Jets owner they they appear to be the three of the three of the big American um, bidders Nick Candy is buzzing around but it's still not uh, particularly clear if he's actually got the money to buy Chelsea. He's he's very much taking the populist route, highlighting Spurs supporting fans on rival consortiums and reeling in Gianluca Vialli to be part of his uh 
part of his bid process. So he's 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 running this like a political campaign, but whether he's actually got the money or not, I don't know. Friday will be the big moment when it'll be the big tell. And there's there's also the spectre of the Saudi media group, um, which appears to be very serious. But that can't happen, can it? In in the current climate, surely there's no way that that's going to be the bid that gets accepted. It's hard to imagine a worse outcome <laughs> in terms of, you know, you look at the reasons why Chelsea are up for sale in the first place. You'd be jumping out of the geopolitical frying pan into the geopolitical fire. Um, I don't see how that would work. And also, I think the biggest thing counting against the Saudi media group is it would take the Premier League lawyers or you know anyone else involved in this process so long to try to you know establish to their satisfaction separation from PIF and the Saudi state um which is obviously absolutely cru- would have to be a crucial element to be signed off for any sort of takeover for the integrity of the league i just don't think chelsea have that time and this process has that time um, so I, I suspect other bidders will probably have a, a leg up on them, even if they prove to be the highest bid. That's another thing we don't know. We don't know what sort of price Chelsea are going to go for. It's a weird situation because Abramovich isn't going to make any money. We don't know where that money's going to go. So it, the the door really is open um, for the the winning bid to be chosen on other factors. And this is where we come back to what you mentioned, Matt. You know, if there are specific concerns about given bidders you know we we talked about the issues with the saudi media group that the ricketts family patriarch those comments were absolutely indefensible i think racially insensitive does not cover it um you know woody johnson um there were pretty serious allegations leveled at him when he was um associated with donald trump politically so there are a few different serious serious accusations and serious problems with different different bidders and and that could come into play with this process because as i said the biggest bid won't necessarily win so that's i actually tweeted earlier this week you know to chelsea fans if you have concerns about specific bidders now's the time to actually make some noise about it because i think fans could genuinely influence this process in a way that fans usually can't um, because usually you don't hear about these deals until they're done um, so it's it's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to get significant movement on Friday, significant movement next week, and the picture will look a lot clearer. Sam, as I mentioned, it's been a while since you've been with us. What's been your, your reaction to this extraordinary story? I mean, from a personal point of view, it's it's the sanctions have affected you and I and, and the work that we can do with, with Chelsea TV. But as somebody who, who came through the academy at the club, you must have been as worried as everybody else about about what's been happening and, and the future and, and the reputational damage that's been sustained in the last few weeks. Yeah, of course. Uncertainty, um, disappointment for the the people that I know uh, around the club that are, you know, worried about their their futures. I think you know Pat Nevin spoke, didn't he? I think on on the Good morning, breakfast Britain. news hmm. about it and. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that are being affected by this. So that's my overriding feeling. I've spoken to people at the club. Um, they're obviously in the midst of a bit of a storm as well. So trying to go about their day-to-day work uh, is probably problematic right now. But I think it's about just the, the process that Liam just spoke about. 
happening and, and hopefully happening quickly so there can be some sense of normality for home supporters, away supporters, and most importantly, the, the people I just mentioned that, that work at the club um, that have nothing to do with this, this situation. So, yeah, I think the, the one thing you can control is what we saw last night is the, the football side of things. And of course, the, the stars at the club, the, the assets will have their concerns because of their contracts and wanting to be successful. But ultimately, they're still going and training in a beautiful environment. The club is a very attractive club, of course, where they are right now due to the last 20 years success. They'll be fine. Um, there's people that I'm more concerned about right now rather than the the, the playing staff and, and the technical staff. Uh, we'll get on to the Lille game shortly. Liam, can you just give us a bit more of an update on, on what you've been covering for the Athletic this week and, and Three's desperation to get their logo off the Chelsea shirts and why that's proving to be so problematic? Yeah, that, another, another strand to this massive mess. Um, so obviously Three logos remain on the Chelsea shirts. Um, they were against Newcastle on Sunday. They were again against Lille. Um, and, and basically the, the issue is that Chelsea told three and Hyundai late last week after they'd issued those statements, suspending their deals that they couldn't, um, you know, get new kits without those logos, without breaching the terms of the special license from the UK government. Now, of course, there there are perhaps other workarounds. Uh, apparently, Schalke, I hadn't seen this, but apparently Schalke sort of taped over Gazprom on their shirts when they ripped up ripped up that deal, and that could be something that Chelsea can do. They didn't do it against against Lille, and and at the moment, um, I think both companies are mindful of the fact that this is a this is a tough time for Chelsea. So they, you know, they've they've made their positions clear and that they want the logos off the shirt as soon as possible, but there's nothing, they're not, you know, hovering over some sort of crazy option, like taking legal action or anything like that. That's not quite where we are, but it is, it is a strange situation. Um, I'm not entirely clear how it gets resolved um, before the upcoming matches, because Chelsea have bigger issues when it comes to trying to get terms of this special license relaxed, you know, chiefly trying to get more fans into stadiums um, before they even start worrying about logos. So, yeah, it's it's an ongoing conversation, but it's one that's proving quite tricky to resolve. Maybe they'll do that thing West Ham did a few years back when they, was it XL they were sponsored by, went bust and they just plastered the players' squad numbers over where the logo should be on the shirt. Although what Marcos Alonso will do in that situation, um, I'm not sure. Uh, right, listener, if you've got more questions on this, head over to The Athletic now. Liam and Don Fifield have done a brilliant explainer answering questions posed by subscribers and The Athletic. Also, the best place to stay up to date and informed on the latest developments regarding the takeover. If you aren't currently a subscriber, head to theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod to sign up now. OK, we'll look back on the Champions League tie with Lille next. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here's Mount in space on the left. Cross comes in right across the face of goal. That's Pinaqueta. Finishes it off quite brilliantly at the far post. Times his run beautifully. Perfect cross from Mason Mount. So Chelsea made it through to the Champions League quarterfinals, winning 2-1 away to Lille for a 4-1 aggregate victory. Aman Simon Johnson was at the match and sent us this report. And the final whistle has just gone. Chelsea have made it through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They do have a future, well, in the Champions League anyway. They certainly weren't at their best. The two best moments of quality, though, made the difference. They come from behind to beat Lille 2-1. Another assist for Jorginho, beautifully supplied Christian Pulisic just before half-time, when Chelsea looked all at sea, really, with the Yilmaz putting the home side in front and giving the home fans a lot to cheer about. Um, but that moment of quality, Jorginho coming up with his second assist in two games, pretty sick, putting away in the bottom corner, totally changed the team talk. Uh, Chelsea sort of made had a fairly comfortable second half, although Xhaka, uh, not the Arsenal one, uh, hit the post with a header when he's only about six yards out. That would have changed the mood. Um, but it, it took good old uh, Dave, yes, this is as for Equator to make sure of the tie 2 1 on aggregate, 4 1. And what timing this is, you know, you can imagine all the prospective owners sitting there going, oh, it's not bad taking on uh, not only the Champions League holders, but a team that are in the last eight of the Champions League. As I'm talking, the Chelsea players acknowledge the Chelsea fans to my right in the ground. Of course, this may be the last chance fans get to watch Chelsea for a while, certainly the Champions League on these kind of trips. Uh, lots of debate about, of course, whether with the uh, EU sanctions, whether Chelsea can actually watch their team in action. But they seem very happy as they applaud Mason Mount, Ruben off the sheet, Thiago Silva, of course, Thomas Tuchel, giving a big hands up to them as he now turns back to uh, walk down the tunnel. But uh, a very difficult few days. Chelsea keep winning despite all the distractions off the pitch. Chelsea win 2-1, 4-1 quit. Now they'll be hoping to put their place in the FA Cup semi-finals on Saturday with a trip to Middlesbrough. Simon Johnson, live from Lille there. Uh, Liam, there's not much doubt that Chelsea deserved to, to win the tie. What about this game in, in particular? A couple of hairy moments, but just about did enough to get the job done? Yeah, they weren't great. Um, particularly the first half was very poor. And uh, it was a, another example, I think, of why... Three five two seems like a a bad fit for this team. I know I know it worked really well against Tottenham away early in the season, the the Nuno game, 
But I think that was quite unusual circumstances. Nuno seemed to send his players out to press Chelsea into the ground for, for 30 minutes and then they were completely out on their feet for the rest of the game. I haven't seen that 3-5-2 work more broadly this season against good teams. It, they they got pinned back and absolutely battered by Manchester City when they played that way. Um, when they briefly switched to it in 2-2 against Liverpool in January, they, it went horribly wrong as well and Tuchel had to change it back. It just seems like they can't press properly and they can't quite pass and keep the ball and move it up the pitch as well as they as well as they should, especially when you don't have Reese James and Ben Chilwell. Um, so that was a that was a big problem for Chelsea in the first half. Brought Mason Mount on. Um, of course, they 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 still managed to score an excellent goal right on the stroke of half time, which completely changed the complexion of things. And then they were much better in the second half in the in in the three four three. Um, controlled the game a lot better and deservedly got a second goal, which made things look a lot more convincing. Uh, Sam Lee mentions that that excellent goal. It was scored by Christian Pulisic. Always kind of reluctant to say this for somebody whose Chelsea career has, has been so hit and miss and, and largely because of the injuries that, that he suffered. But it looks as though he's played his way back into form, doesn't it? In particular, him, Havertz and Mount together seem to just click. But, but Pulisic coming up with some big goals of late. Yeah, he looks sharp and you know, he's adaptable in you know the, the different positions that he can play. I love that goal because um, I was kind of watching him kind of at the, at the corner of the screen and he was always on the move for about 10, 15 seconds prior to receiving that pass from Jorginho. He made countless runs. Uh, I think he was actually initially picked up by a midfield player. It was the fullback that got a little bit of criticism on the, the the TV coverage, but it was actually the the midfield player who let him go. But being on the move, uh, adjusting his position, always trying to get beyond, and then the other part of it is someone having the quality to execute the pass. And I don't think there's many players, I don't think there's many players in world football who would see that pass and be able to play it with that pace. It's an unbelievable little prod from Jorginho. So brilliant movement and um, another amazing assist from from that man. So I thought it was a an excellently taken goal uh, on a night where, as Liam says, there just wasn't loads of creativity. It was pretty dull, wasn't it? But I think, you know, away ties when you've got a commanding lead in the last 16 of the Champions League, that probably is, is often the narrative. But they control the game so well because I just think the collective unit is so strong. They're so well coached that we don't need to have a, a plethora of um, attacking flair in, in these games because they just all know their job so well and it played out quite comfortably in the end. And as a player, would you be like the Chelsea players seem to be doing, kind of thriving off this siege mentality of nobody likes us at the moment, we'll, we'll use that as fuel uh, with the kind of comfort of knowing that your job and your wages are secure. So it's it, it's it's maybe not as backs against the wall as it seems for, for the Chelsea first team squad. I'd agree with that and... You know, not to be too repetitive, but they've still got a wonderful job. They're going into state-of-the-art complex every day and they're challenging. You know, whatever the future holds beyond these this season, beyond this contract for a lot of them, they're still going to be highly motivated to win the FA Cup, to try and go deep in the Champions League. And they're, they're brilliantly positioned in the Premier League as well right now with a lovely cushion. So, no, I think... 
I'd be probably more worried about some of the other elite sides in this country had they had similar circumstances happening because we've got incredible leaders in this Chelsea squad from the manager. And then obviously Azpilicueta spoke last night after the game, Thiago Silva. I know there was maybe problems within the squad under Frank Lampard, but I just don't see anything of that that kind anymore. I think the collective looks incredibly strong and I don't think it's too much of a problem focusing on the football. I really don't. That's my honest answer. Maybe the the, the players will be discussing where Azpilicueta is probably going to be playing his football next year. They'll be asking him in the dressing room. That'll be, that won't be a secret, I'm sure, what he's thinking. But in terms of focus, I've got no doubts at all that they're highly motivated each week. Also, is there any club in Europe that is as well-versed at winning in chaos than <laughs> Chelsea under Abramovich? It's just, it's just been in this club's DNA for, for 19 years. It's, it, it's absolutely crazy. And it, if this had happened, I, I agree with Sammy, I think if this had happened to, to any other big club, um, there could have been a real risk of it sending the season off the rails. But with Chelsea, it wouldn't surprise me if they won the Champions League again with everything that's going on. Just, I mean, they they have a good enough team, but just this is just the way this club works. It would it would be a a crazy storyline, but actually, in some ways, the most logical. And at the forefront of that is is Thomas Tuchel. Joe Cole wants him to be prime minister. <laughs> um, some magnificent quotes <laughs> from Tuchel. Uh, post-match. Yeah. The pitch was horrible, by the way. Absolutely horrible. Tactics weren't right for the first 20 minutes. I take responsibility for that. He also said, the club has a mentality that sharpens the attitude. And, and that kind of taps into what, what what we're saying, doesn't it, Liam? That, that this is just how Chelsea work. And the fact that Tuchel has bought into that so wholly kind of makes you think, obviously, we don't know who the new owners are going to be, but why on earth would he want to swap what he's got for, for the absolute chaos and nonsense that is Manchester United? Well, I think the one thing Tuchel still really appreciates and that he's appreciated since day one at Chelsea is that he has been allowed to run this team the way he wants to and to establish the culture from, you know, on on the training pitch day to day, exactly what he wants to do. Um, He didn't have that at PSG. At Dortmund, things were, you know, they have their own sort of established processes. I mean, Chelsea have a long-standing culture too, and they have a lot of staff that have been there for a long time. We've we've already heard Tuchel sort of make the distinction when he's talking between his staff and Chelsea staff. But the culture at Chelsea has always been that the manager, whoever the manager or the coach is at any given time, sets the tone from day to day. And I think Tuchel really likes that. And even with everything going on right now, if anything, that's even more the case because I, I doubt Marina Granovskaya is, you know, quite as contactable right now as, as she might be uh, generally with everything that the the Chelsea hierarchy are dealing with. So I think in a weird way, um, Tuchel, you know, is actually quite enjoying at least the football side of this. I don't think he loves having to answer questions about it all the time. He's done a good job of it. But... When, when he gets out onto the pitch, when he stands stands on the touchline, he knows he's got full control of his team and he's as confident as he can be that, that they're going to play the way he wants and, and that they're going to be able to achieve together. And I think he, as long as that remains the case under a new ownership, Chelsea can 
can have high hopes of keeping Tuchel because I think he's he's really liked everything he's seen from Chelsea since he's come in. He he he, he considers it a really good fit. In a week when uh, there's been a few things said about the academy as well, Matt, I think it's a valid point to say that there's well there's two or three incredibly important players in that Chelsea 11 first team squad that all they've ever known is Chelsea and you can extend that to to five or six players so I think their focus will be clear as well they've gone to Cobham probably every day every week for the last 10-15 years some of these young players so I think that's a, a valid point when you when you look at the the squad makeup in comparison to you know, the Manchester clubs and and Liverpool, yes, there's the exceptions, but Chelsea have got a really good core group who I think will want to stay at Chelsea well beyond this um, this mad few few weeks that they're um, navigating at the moment, and and will be excited at the prospect of working under new owners, whoever they may be. Uh, so as Simon mentioned in his report, uh, the EU sanctions on Abramovich were announced on Wednesday. A statement said Abramovich has had privileged access to the president, Vladimir Putin, and has maintained very good relations with him. This connection with the Russian leader helped him to maintain his considerable wealth. Uh, the major impact as far as Chelsea are concerned, Liam, is that they'll have to play their remaining Champions League home games behind closed doors. Is this one of these sanctions things that will eventually be negotiated and it'll turn out that they don't have to? Or do you think UEFA are determined to make this stick in order to kind of maintain relations with the EU or to be seen to be doing the right thing for, for their competition? I doubt it's going to change purely because unlike with the UK government, the EU have not given Chelsea a special license. Um, you know, that dynamic in the UK creates room for a negotiation and a, and a sort of daily dialogue between the club and the authorities. And they're not dealing with the, you know, primarily with the Premier League and FA on that. It's just the government on the terms of the license. And we've already seen wiggle room, but when it comes to the, when it comes to the European side of things, as far as the EU are concerned, they've just sanctioned Abramovich. Chelsea are collateral to that. Um, UEFA are going to toe the line with the EU. And, you know, I, I think in the grand scheme, yeah, playing playing Champions League home games behind closed doors, it's not nice. Uh, you don't want to have to do it. But Chelsea did it last year and won. Until, you know, they played all their games until the final in closed stadiums and and. Tuchel's team have shown a, a good ability to adapt to that kind of situation. So I think they're, they'll still fancy their chances in this competition regardless. It's just quite sad for, for Chelsea fans, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the draw for the quarterfinals and the semis will take place on Friday, which is tomorrow, as we record. The other teams involved, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, Benfica, Liverpool, Manchester City, Real Madrid and Villarreal. Sam... Does it make much difference? I mean, in terms of the home game being behind closed doors, would that influence who you would want to play particularly? Or are you just looking at that group of clubs and saying, mm, we'll take Villarreal first choice and Atletico second, provided we can afford to get to the away game? It's maybe even more reason not to draw one of the English clubs, I would say. Um, the thought of going to Anfield and uh, and having... Um, no spectators at Stamford Bridge. Should that be the case? Um, yeah, you'd want you'd want the backing, wouldn't you? In 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 that type of 
atmosphere. So, no, I think it's obvious that the teams you want to avoid. Um, but they showed last year, was it last year? Yeah, it was, with the Real Madrid tie. I know it was the same for both sides, but they put on the scintillating show on, on that occasion, one of the best performances of the campaign. But, no, I think it's clear what... Uh, what numbers, if they still do numbers, that uh, Thomas Tuchel want to be drawn out of the hat? Well, we'll find out on Friday who Chelsea do face and we'll look ahead to those ties when they take place next month. Next today, we're turning our attention to the FA Cup. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Listener, you want Chelsea to beat Middlesbrough in the FA Cup quarterfinal on Saturday. So does Liam, so does Sam, so do I, so does producer Lucy. I think we can say with some certainty that anybody who is a neutral would rather that Borough were the victors. Uh, Chelsea suffering FA Cup embarrassment without even kicking a ball this week. On Tuesday, they were forced to backtrack on a request that the quarterfinal at the Riverside be played behind closed doors. Uh, Liam, why did they do this and how quickly did they realise what a massive PR blunder it was? Well, it seems that it was um, an attempt to apply pressure on the UK government to sort of give ground on the whole ticketing issue. It was an incredibly clumsy and self-defeating attempt, uh, which which backfired in record time. And, uh, and I think it also kind of unleashed the full wave of resentment that like 19 years of Abramovich's ownership <laughs> has inspired in a lot of other people in football. Particularly Steve Gibson. <laughs> Not least Steve Gibson and, and Middlesbrough, um, which, you know, an incredibly strongly worded response um, from Gibson and, and their statement was uh, pulled no punches either. But I can understand it because this is a massive deal for Middlesbrough. It's an FA Cup quarter final. You know, they don't get this. Every, Chelsea get this almost every season. Middlesbrough don't. So the, the mere suggestion that they shouldn't have their fans there because of something that has been you know, handed down to Chelsea is just ridiculous. Um, it, it seems like it was kind of 
almost an act of frustration from Chelsea because they've been in talks with the government about this ticketing issue for for a while. They're obviously getting pressure from their own fans um, to make progress on it as well. But it, you know, it was never going to work and it should have been obvious that not only was it never going to work, it was going to make things considerably worse. Um, I don't think it affects Chelsea's chances of winning this game because, you know, they should, they'll still be favourites anyway. And there will be Chelsea supporters there, right? The 500, 600 tickets already sold. Yeah, I, th- I think it was about 400 that they'd actually sold of uh, something around 4,000 allocation. Um, so they will have some support. And of course, if it had been be- behind closed doors, those those few hundred fans would have been shortchanged as well. One of the many things that wasn't thought about. And, and even Thomas Tuchel disowned the idea very quickly after after the Lille game. Yeah, let's hear what Thomas Tuchel had to say about it. Uh, let me put it like this. We love to play in front of spectators and uh, we love and, and I don't think that spectators in, in of our opponents should suffer from the consequences so um i think the 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 what was it like the the proposal or like the, it was withdrawn and it was the right absolutely right thing uh, to do because uh, that was uh, of course from from our side and and uh hope, hopefully it was not meant like this it was not not the very best idea to put it to put it like this we we love to play in front of spectators me actually and and the team uh, were not involved in, in in this decision and i'm happy that it was turned uh, or like withdrawn very happy yeah so it's an idea no one wants to own at this point and i think it's probably from a chelsea perspective just best very quickly forgotten but it was it was tone deaf it displayed a, a a big lack of awareness of of Chelsea's situation and the way that most people outside of Chelsea feel about that situation. Um, so just get on with the football and you know don't complain. <laughs> uh, Sam, you're our EFL expert. Tell anybody who hasn't seen much of Middlesbrough this season a bit about them. They are revitalised under Chris Wilder and particularly impressive at home. Yeah, as you would expect with Chris Wilder. Um, Three five two, pretty cohesive unit. Not overly reliant on one goal scorer or two goal scorers. There's a bit of an even spread of goals, so Chelsea will have to be aware of of multiple threats. The most noticeable one recently is probably Balogun, the the Arsenal loanee who I believe is a, is available um, for this game. He scored two, I think, in Middlesbrough colours. Very. Very sharp in the week at Birmingham in what was a, a bit of a canter. 2-0 could have been 3 or 4. Uh, Matt Crooks, one of the players that scored in the uh, the previous rounds at Old Trafford. Uh, physical midfield player. He'll be the one that will join him with the, the front two. And a really exciting wide player on the right-hand side, Desire Jones. So a bit of a problem area for, for Chelsea. We, we often discuss it on the podcast, how we're going to counteract a sharp player down that flank and... That may have to come into Thomas Tuchel's thinking at the weekend because Jones is um, is electric, really. He's had a, a, a brilliant spell under under Chris Wilder. So, yeah, I'd expect it to be, you know, pretty tight. Defensively good, good back three. The Achilles heel has probably been Joe Lumley in goal, if I'm allowed to say that. So, yeah, Chelsea should probably identify that you can maybe put a bit of pressure under him. And the last six games, it's been a bit of a mixed bag uh, as well. They haven't been as consistent as they were early on under under Chris Wilder. So, 
yeah, I expect Chelsea to go strong and I expect Chelsea to navigate this tie as they did at, at Luton. Maybe not as many changes because I think Thomas Tuchel's hand was forced on that evening uh, with some absentees, but yeah, expecting to go a bit stronger and, and should get through. Uh, yeah, they've already put out Manchester United on penalties at Old Trafford and they beat Spurs uh, after extra time in round five. Uh, that game kicks off at quarter past five UK time on Saturday. We'll react to it on Monday's pod. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, Chelsea have closed the gap on WSL leaders Arsenal to two points that after they won 3-0 at Everton. Sam Kerr, obviously, Guro Wrighton and Erin Cuthbert had business taken care of within the opening half hour. It was a good night all round too as Marin Mielda and Magda Eriksson both returned from injury. Chelsea have a game in hand on Arsenal. Next up for Emma Hayes' team, the FA Cup quarterfinal against Birmingham on Sunday. The under-18s drew 2-2 with Reading on Wednesday lunchtime. Ronnie Stutter and Leo Cattledine got the goals. The Blues led until the 87th minute in that one. At the under-23s host Leeds at Kings Meadow on Sunday in what is their penultimate home game of the season in PL2. OK, next is the return of the quiz. Oh, chaps, I'm so glad that this is back. Honestly, it's been a horrible mm-hmm. two weeks for me not to be able to, to grill you guys on, on random Chelsea questions. Uh, three of them each, Chelsea versus Middlesbrough, the theme. Liam, you're up first. Chelsea's last visit to the Riverside was for a 1-0 win in the Premier League in November 2016, which three times Champions League winner was in goal for Borough that day. Three times Champions mm. League winner. Yeah, I think this is one of the hardest questions I've set in, in recent months. Oh. You'll go, what? Did he play for Middlesbrough? And I'll say, he did. It's a smirk on Sam's face, which suggests he might have half a <laughs> chance of stealing this. Will Lucy edit out this massively long pause, I wonder? I just can't stop thinking. Mark Schwartz's career wasn't that decorated. <laughs> Going to have to hurry it. Uh, I don't know. Sam, can you pinch it? I've got no idea. It's someone who played for... Someone who played for like a Spanish giant. Ica Casillas. Oh, it's not bad. Victor Valdez was the answer. I completely forgot that aspect of his that chapter yeah. of his career completely passed me by. <laughs> me, you, and everybody listening as well. Um, thanks, Soccer Base, for that. Did uh, go to Sam Man United. Here. Victor Valdez. Yeah. Oh, I don't think so. Did he not? Maybe he did. Let's have a look. Uh, this is good content, isn't it? We can thought it was like one of those Henrik. He Larson. did go to Man United. Yeah, you're right. One of those like Henrik Larson moments. Yeah. Yeah. He just he did. pitch up for half a dozen games. There you go, listener. You, you tuned in to find out what was happening with the takeover and you got a, a brief recap of Victor Valdez's career instead. Uh, Sam, here's your first question. Which defender signed from Wokingham in 1990 scored one of his only two league goals for Chelsea in the first ever Premier League meeting between Chelsea and Borough at Stamford Bridge? A 4-0 win in 1993. I'll help you out a bit here. He would go on to play for Reading, Bristol City, Barnsley and Aldershot. It's right up my street, this, but... It is, yeah, yeah. I he signed Victor from Woking- was up Liam, so I can't do any more for he you, He signed really. from Wokingham. 
Wokingham in 1990 scored two league goals for Chelsea. One of them was against Borough in the first Premier League meeting between the sides at the bridge. 4-0 win 1993. Went on to play for Reading, Bristol City, Barnsley and Aldershot. I mean, I was in nursery. Oh, it's really going to hurt me. <laughs> it's not Dave Lee because he came through the system, but I'm sure Dave played for... No, he didn't play for City, did he? 1990, he signed. Yep. yep. Oh, no, I've got nothing. You'll um, know the name when I say it. I will know the name. Yeah. I'm going Anthony Barnes. Oh, it's it's close in terms of it sounds a bit like the same. Oh, I've got it. <laughs> I've got <laughs> oh, it. Well, you can say it for pride, but you won't get the point. Is it Darren Barnard? It is Darren Barnard. Darren yes. Barnard. <laughs> Liam nodding like he knew it. Yeah, very good. No, I remember uh, playing a football manager game when he was in the Barnsley squad. That's yeah, all yeah. I know. Yeah, I think that's exactly my memory of him too. Uh, so nil-nil after one each. Liam, this is your second. Chelsea's biggest win at the Riverside was 5-0 back in 2008. Name at least two of the goal scorers that day. You can have three guesses. Frank Lampard. Correct. Oh, it's always a go-to in it from that kind of period. He's probably going to have scored in the, in the game. Didier Drogba? Didier Drogba's incorrect. So you've got okay. one more guess to get one of the others. Nicholas and Elka. Oh, I'm afraid it's incorrect. Uh, Sam, anything spring into your mind? <laughs> the period when I was playing is just a blur. <laughs> uh, Joey Cole. No, it was Salomon Kalou, Giuliano Belletti, a David Wheater own goal, and Florent Maluda was the other one. I'd have loved Liam to have gone that rough. Wheater was going to be my next guess. Yeah. If you've got that, I think we'd have had to call off the quiz and just say that you've won it forever. Okay, so nobody's on the board yet, which is good for me. Uh, Sam, this one's a little easier. Middlesbrough haven't scored against Chelsea since they came from behind to beat the Blues at the Riverside in 2006. Austrian Emmanuel Pogatetz got the equaliser that day, but which Australian got the winner? Mark Viduka. Correct, 1-0. That, that was a slightly easier question. <laughs> oh, Liam, I'm sorry. This is not an easy one. Um, you need to get it, though. Well, no, maybe Sam will get his last one wrong and you can steal that. Anyway, Chelsea only made one substitution in the 1997 FA Cup final. Which Italian replaced which other Italian in the sole change made by Rude Hullet? So one Italian went off and he was replaced by another Italian. Gianfranco Zola was involved in that sub. I'm just trying to figure out whether he came on or went off because I was at that game. Um, I don't think he started. Didn't he come on? Are you, are you saying that? Is that your guess? Yeah, Zola came on. Incorrect, I'm afraid. It was Gianluca Viali came on. For... I had that. Oh, did you? Okay. Sorry, my bad. Um, well, anyway, you've already won. Let's see if you can emphasise your victory and, and make it 2-0. Robert Huth left Chelsea to join Middlesbrough in August 2006. For whom did he make more appearances? The Blues or Borough? Robert Huth. I'll go Chelsea. You're correct. Would you like to have a guess? It was pretty close between the two of them. Um, for Chelsea... 30... 69 for Chelsea. Really? 63 for Middlesbrough for Robert Huth. Well done, Sam. That'll give you a boost for the uh, for the upcoming weekend, no doubt. Absolutely will. Unlucky, Liam. 
<laughs> My confidence is shot now going into the weekend. Well, let's boost it up a bit by talking about what content you're working on for Athletic subscribers to enjoy then, Liam. Oh, I don't know if that's a way to boost my confidence. Um, well, obviously, we're we're trying to stay across the ever-evolving ownership situation. So there's a, there's a chance I could be called into scrambling action on Friday once once we hear more about bids. But uh, there'll be a piece going up on The Athletic on Friday um, talking about Thomas Tuchel and whether he was kind of always always well suited as a personality for a moment like this, you know, to, to really emerge as this kind of leader. Uh, he, he called he said, I'm not a politician, but he's done a very good job of acting like a kind of statesman that Chelsea need in the, this period of time. So I thought it was good to focus on him. You'd love to play for him, wouldn't you, Sam? He just seems like a, a very charismatic leader, but, but also such a highly competent tactician and, and football coach that it, feels to me like it would be difficult not to thrive under his management. Yeah, it feels like the the atmosphere should be good on the training ground. He seems to be as pally as you probably can be with with the players. I think probably obviously without crossing a line, but but yeah, I think definitely. I mean, he's honesty again last night in holding his hands up about, you know, tactically maybe getting it wrong in the first half is just, you know, what I want to hear from a manager. You know, I don't want to hear them straight back and everything and he certainly doesn't do that and he's been yeah he's been been excellent in the last week or two in, in such difficult difficult circumstances so yeah and no, I'm sure he's brilliant to play for are you at a game this weekend um it's been a bit busy the last few days so I've got a load of medial jobs to mundane jobs sorry to 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 get through but I'm at QPR on Sunday QPR Peterborough Okay, sorry for uh, stuffing up your playoff hopes at the world-famous City Ground uh, last night. Other Chelsea content on The Athletic. Uh, Simon's written about the greatness that is Cesar Azpilicueta and what's going to happen with his contract situation. Simon Hughes has had his say on the situation regarding the FA Cup tie at Middlesbrough. Do stay across The Athletic. It is the very best place to keep up with all the developments. And let's face it, there are plenty of them as pertains to Chelsea Football Club at the moment. Theathletic.com slash Chelsea Pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. And we'll be back on Monday when we reflect on that FA Cup game or the two FA Cup quarterfinals that Chelsea are involved in this weekend and what happened with the bidding process on Friday. We'll also know at that point who Chelsea have got in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Do join us for that if you can. Until then, from Lucy, from Liam, from Sam and from me. Many thanks for your company today. We'll catch up with you soon. The Athletic.